in a time of worship and the word. And John 5, we're going there. John 5, verse 1. John 5, verse 1, as you're getting there, thank you so much for your faithfulness and tithing all throughout this year. In a couple of um, Sundays, I'm going to give you an update on where we are with Build a Legacy and all of those things. But thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and your offering. And if you have a gift that you would like to give uh, by the end of this year, the uh, end of the year giving, uh, today is the last day of that. It must be marked today. So be sure you do that as you leave today. Our ushers will be here. You can give online. However, thank you so much for giving. John chapter 5, verse 1, the word says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind and lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. And just to give you some insight, your Bible may not have verse 4. Verse 4 in some translations is not printed. And whenever you read the different reasons why, you will find different things. But a lot believe that it focused too much on the angel. And John wanted to give attention that Jesus was actually there doing the work. Verse 5 says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Somebody say 38 years. 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, verse 7, sir, I have no man. Somebody say man. I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Isn't it just crazy that it's the Sabbath? It's the Lord's day and they're saying it's not lawful for you to be carrying your bed. It's not lawful for you to be healed today. Verse 11, he answered them, and he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. He said, I don't care about your rules today. I don't care what day of the week it is. I don't care if it happened at church. I don't care if it happened in my living room. He said, that man said to me that I can be healed. So I took up my mat and I began to walk. Then they asked him, verse 12, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who has healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn himself, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now. Now I have been working. Did you catch that? Jesus closes out this miracle by letting everyone know that 
My father has been on the move, but now I'm on the move. He reminded everyone that now I am working. And while he was working, while he was moving and working this miracle, he had one question that his work and miracles were hinging on. He had one question that his work and his miracles were hinging on. He said, do you really want to be made well? Do you really want to be made whole? He said, everything is hinging on this one question. Do you really want to be made well? Do you really want to be made new? Do you really want a transformation? Do you really want a breakthrough? Do you really want to move? Do you really want revival? I mean, there's no doubt that Jesus is moving and he wants to know, do you want what I have and are you willing to go through what you need to go through to get there? The word well means in a good state of being. Being sound in the body and in the right mind, free or recovered from illness. As the day of the Lord's return draws closer, as the signs of the time become more vivid and revealed in our eyes, as the days keep pointing to Christ's return, The Holy Spirit continues to move on the earth and revival fire continues to spread to the people who are hungry. And today I want to remind you of three facts about revival. One, revival is the transformation of man's nature into the nature of the Father through the Holy Spirit. Revival is not shouting. Although wherever revival is, there will be shouting. Revival is not corporate gatherings, although when revival is present, people will corporately gather on days that they normally do not gather. Two, revival is birth and hunger and faith and repentance. And three, revival has enemies. Jesus walks into this situation in John 5 and faces the enemies of revival. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The enemies you're going to face in 2024. Enemies of my next year. Is there anyone in the room you want to be made well today? Is there anybody you want your healing today? Is there anybody in this room today you need your mind to be restored? You need a relationship to be restored? Anybody need your joy back Anybody want your marriage to be made whole today? Is there anybody in the room that wants God to move in your life like never before? Is there anybody that can hear me this morning? You want revival this year. Well, guess what? Your wellness and your revival will come with enemies. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I come to you in faith and believing, oh God, that you are here today. That your breakthrough presence is here. God, and I just pray, Lord, that right now, Lord, that as this word goes forth, Lord, that our eyes would be locked in on you and our ears would be in tune with your voice. Lord, and I just pray that this morning, Lord, that this word goes forth, oh God, and it takes root into the hearts and souls of men and women, students who are ready to receive it today, oh God. May it be like fire in their bones this morning. And we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. And the church said amen. 
Amen and amen. In this text, we watch as Jesus begins to dismantle these enemies of revival. And he begins with a question. The question is, so often how he operates by asking questions. Jesus operates in questions. He's not asking questions because he does not know, but he's asking them to get you to know. And number one I want you to write down is he asks the question. And next to that is this question is dealing with the heart system. We watch as Jesus is dealing with this inner man. He's a man that was an invalid. He is bound by an infirmity for 38 years. And in the time that this text is being written, many would read the word invalid as invalid. His invalid life now has become the normal to him because he's been dealing with this invalidness for some 38 years. And there's no doubt this morning that we have people in this very room that have accepted their condition as normal. You have experienced a bump in the road. You went through a tough year. You went through a tough season. The winds of life threw you into a loop. Your health was under attack. Your marriage was under attack. The kids, your kids turned from the very faith that you raised them in. And you have accepted what was meant for a season as now the new normal. And I don't know about you, but I am sick and I am tired of hearing the media and everybody saying this is the new normal. I am sick and tired of accepting what the devil has put in my path as the new normal. And I'm tired of accepting less than when God said you are more than a conqueror. Because if, because if the word says I am more than, I'm not going to stop until I see more than in my life and in this year. And this coming year, the body of Christ is not going to walk around stressed or depressed. I said this year Year, the believers of Legacy Church, we are not going to walk around stressed and depressed. We are not going to accept the spirit of anxiety that is rampant in America, but we will live in God's will and in our inheritance as a child of the Most High God because he said you are more than this year. You are more than. The question that Jesus is asking is not just, do you want to feel better? But he's asking the question, how hungry are you for me to move in your life? How bad do you want it? And the Spirit is asking the same question, to the church in 2024. How hungry are you for me to move? How hungry are you for me to move in your home? How bad do you want me to move in your kids? How hungry are you? What are you willing to give up to see me move? How hungry 
weary are you for me to deliver you? And Jesus is saying to this invalid man that had been invalid for 38 years was what am I? He was saying what that I'm about to do is going to be so unconventional. What I'm about to do is about to be so unorthodox. What I'm about to do is about to break rules. What I'm about to do is about to rub the religious the wrong way. What I'm about to do in you, will, will, will it's going to ruffle some religious feathers, if you will. So before I do this miracle, I just need to know, are you really hungry for me to move? Because as soon as I move, the enemies are going to come against you. Are you hungry enough to deal with the enemies? Because you need to get this in your notes because every time God moves, it creates resistance. Every time God moves in the heavens, it creates a resistance in hell. Every time God moves in the earth, there are humans that do not like it. I know you want God to move in the church, but as soon as God begins to move in the church, it attracts the haters. As soon as God begins to move, it attracts the gossipers. As soon as God begins to move, it attracts the resistors. But I want to declare this morning over Legacy Church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us anymore in 24. Do you really want to be made well? Do you really want God to move? Because I'm just going to tell you, there will be people that do not like it when you get healed next year. There will be people that do not like it that your marriage makes it another year. There will be people that do not like it that your addicted child comes crawling back to the cross this year. They will not. There will be people that get mad because you paid your debt off this year. There will be people that do not like it just because God touched you. So do you really want to be made well? 38 years is a long time to wrestle with a thing. 38 years is a long time to deal with an infirmity. It is a long time to be feeling invalid. It's a long time to settle for something less. And Jesus has, I want to know after 38 years, are you hungry for me to move yet? You need to understand, God responds to hunger. God responds to hunger. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and then fed you manna. 
There are times that God will humble you and let you go without just so you will get hungry because he responds to hunger. Hunger means a strong desire, a craving, a need. Hunger will make you move. How many of you know hunger will make you take action? Hunger will cause you to pursue things that you might not normally pursue. This man had settled this man had gotten to the place where he was okay coming and watching others get what they wanted. For 38 years, he had sit there and watched person after person get a blessing. He had gotten to the place where he was okay for watching for 38 years for other marriages being restored. For 38 years he had gotten to the place where he had settled and he had watched people get what he wanted. He had gotten to the place where he was fine with just coming to church, coming to the pool and seeing others get blessed. And so often there are people inside of the church that reach this same place where your hunger turns into a spectator hunger. And there comes a point when you must stop the spectator hunger. You must stop just coming in and watching people worship. You must stop just coming in and watching people praise and watching people dance and watching people go to the altar and watching people be transformed because at some point you have got to get so hungry where you are not worried about what anybody else is going to say to you. Uh, you've got to stop worrying about your hair and your makeup system because I gotta get so hungry for a touch of God that even if I look foolish I will look foolish even if I've got to get more undignified than I am right now I will get more undignified if I've got to break a sweat I'll break a sweat if I've got to dance to see my breakthrough watch out because I will cut a rug all over this place if it's dependent upon my breakthrough because I'm glad that you're blessed but I'm ready for mine because I'm hungry this year. I'm hungry this year. I'm hungry this year. I'm hungry this year. I'm hungry. Hunger will make you pursue. How many people in the room have a friend? It's not you. But this friend lives on the inside of you. And there are moments when your friend comes to visit. And this friend only shows up when he's hungry. And this friend will make you do and say some crazy things because it's hungry. It'll make you act like you were 10 years ago. It'll make you act like a fool. And whenever you get hungry, you will pursue whatever you desire. When I get hungry for candy, I will get in my car and drive across town to get my candy. I don't care what anybody says. When I get hungry, I go and get 
what I want. When I want my banana split blizzard large, y'all, I don't care what time it is. I will get in my car and I will drive to the Dairy Queen because I feel like I'm the king and I am hungry. And I want it now. Anybody ever been there? Some of y'all are lying. I've seen you eat. And whenever you get hungry, you will pursue what you desire. There will be nothing that will be able to stop you. And whenever this friend that it's not you, but it's that friend that lives on the inside of you, gets all hungry, you better watch out because he doesn't care about the nutritional value. He doesn't care if it's healthy or not. He doesn't care what the doctor said. He doesn't care if you are in the middle of a fast. Your friend will cause you to get a craving and a hunger. Your little friend will cause you to get so hungry that you will do some crazy things until that spot is filled. And one of the greatest things that we need this year is not another program, is not another ministry, is not another conference, but what you need the most is to get a hunger on the inside of you that you will go great lengths for. You will get out of your comfort zone for. A hunger that will push you past tradition. A hunger that will get you out of your chair and lay it on your face. A hunger that cannot be satisfied. A hunger to see Rome, Georgia set on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit until every man, woman, boy and girl is saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Where there is no hunger, there is no revival. He asked, do you want to be made well? And we would all think that this is somewhat of an obvious answer. But there are some people that really do not want to be well. I feel like I'm about to stir something up. There are some people that do not want to be made well because not everyone wants the responsibility of becoming spiritually functional. I like being bound. Because that means I can act however I want to act. I feel, like I'm about, I feel like I'm about to stir up a demon today. Because it's easier to live under the excuse for you to hold on to what you've been holding on to than it is to become spiritually functional. Oh, God. You may have thought it was a crazy question. But Jesus wanted to know, are you ready to bear the responsibility of being made whole and healed? Because I am not going to heal you just to heal you. But I heal you and you have a responsibility how you handle the healing. There's a lot of people that don't want a move of God. Because a move of God reveals messes. They don't want a revival. They don't want to move. Because a move reveals messes. That's why, Lord help me, this is why a lot of people like feel good church. If this happened, 
they would have kicked us out. Because all we have is an hour to tickle your funny bone, for you to give your offering, and you to check into Facebook and say, I'm into the year of the Lord. Woo! But you're still living like hell. And you're going to get drunk tonight. Turn down for what? <laughs> but right now I'm feeling good. I'm in church. That's why so many people like feel good church. Because they really don't want to change. Because feel good church don't have conviction. And where there's no conviction, you don't change. Where there's not somebody every once in a while comes by and steps on your toes with the word of the truth. There's no change. And so many people get in the run of feel-good church because they don't want the responsibility of being spiritually functional. They don't want to change. Get this. There are tormenting spirits that are being assigned to you this year to addict you to being broken. Demons in hell have your name and your address. And they are assigned to you to keep you down depressed and broken because there are some people who feel like I'm stirring something up that love being sick preach it they love being in the hospital they love having surgeries They love going to the ER. Mm. They love when there's trouble in their home because they are an addict to being broken. They're not addicted to a drug. They're addicted to being broken. You are addicted to pain so that you don't have to trust anyone or trust God. I'll just stay in pain. You are addicted to fear, so it excuses you to be safe. It excuses you from stepping out on faith. It, 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 it's your excuse of why you don't come to the altar, because now you've been, and instead of fear, you actually call it wisdom. some people, I know it's none of y'all, that are addicted to trauma. They love coming and seeking godly counsel. But they don't want godly change. They're addicted to telling you their story. They're addicted to getting the same advice you've given them for eight stinking years and at some point you've got to tell that addicting spirit to leave your life so that you can experience some freedom this year you gotta tell that spirit I'm not being broke this year I'm not being depressed this year I'm not divorcing this year I'm not gonna be sick with cancer this year but this is my year cause I'm hungry 
You got to tell it. Number one, he asked the question. It was the heart system. Number two, we see the excuse. The excuse is dealing with the faith system. See, when true revival breaks out, it deals with the inner man and begins to remove every excuse in us to not be Christ-like. Did you notice what he said? The man, he did not say yes or no. Yes, I want to be made well or no, I don't want to be. But he made an excuse to why he could not get in the pool. He says, I have no man to put me in the pool. There's no man here to help me. You need to get this. Because one of the greatest enemies of revival is man dependency, which is rooted in performance, not power. You are depending upon your church staff to get you to a life of victory. And if I don't preach what you need to that week, you'll go somewhere else. I'm about to, woo. This year, you need to plant your feet somewhere. Because this once a month church stuff is not working for you. That's why you stay broken. Because if you only come to church once a month, you're probably not praying. I feel like I'm stirring something up today. You got to plant somewhere this year. It's the year of ascending. It's the year, Psalm 23 was the year of the death valley. Then it turns around to Psalm 24. You are ascending the hill of the Lord. Last year may have felt like death, but this year we're going places. We are ascending. We are moving up. We're going somewhere. He said, I have no man. This is all about your faith because where there is no faith, there can be no revival. He had faith to get him into the pool, a pool with no power. Get this. He wanted the pool more than he wanted to be healed. (laughs) He wanted to get in the pool more than he wanted to change. Because so often, how often... Do we network? We will brown nose. We will rub elbows with people. We'll become friends with people just so our kids can be on the team. We'll move our kids to that school because that's where all the cool people are. I'm stirring it up today. I'm going to let it all out. We'll rub elbows, we'll network, we'll do all of this stuff in hopes that 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 actually gets us somewhere. But let me tell you something. Man dependency will put you in pools, but it will put you in pools with no power because God doesn't respond to man's system. God responds to a faith system and he's looking for a church that have more faith in him than they have in their pastor. He is looking for a people that has more faith in him than they do Hollywood and they're rich and famous because where there is hunger, there is faith and God will move. Number three was the law. 
the law was dealing with religious systems. Jesus is dealing with a religious system. The system had a law that you could not work. You could not heal on the Sabbath. You may think this is crazy, but there's a lot of times this happens even in the church today. When church folk think they know how God wants to move more than the spirit knows how he wants to move. And unless you sing three songs in 25 minutes and preach a 25-minute sermon and you give a nice little benediction and you put us on out of here, then I don't know. that, that I, That's not really God. If you want to kill revival, just put God in a box. Just start acting like you know more than God knows. The religious love and live to kill revival. The religious don't like the spirit to move because where the spirit moves, spirits move. Where the spirit moves, spirits move. And when spirits start moving, the religious people get uncomfortable. This, these things will kill your revival in 2024. You need to get these enemies of things that's going to kill revival in 2024. Apathetic believers. I can't worship like that. That's not my style. I only like Southern gospel. I only like Hillsong. I only like hymns. I only like Bethel. And if you can't do that, then I can't worship. Things that kill revival. All emotion with no truth behind it. God is looking for those who can worship in what? Spirit and in what? Truth. Things that will kill revival this year. Believers that care more about their reputation than righteousness. You care more about looking cute than you do a move of God. You care more about your hair than you care about souls being one. You care more... God help me, about what church you go to because of the title than what is happening inside of that church. And you will stay inside of that church because of the title even when they're promoting things that's not in the Bible. I know I'm preaching to those online today. I know there's nobody in this house today. Things that kill revival. Social media prophets. There's no accountability. There's no training. There's no development. Somebody whispered in their ear, oh, hey, I think you're a prophet. And all of a sudden they just type and they just keep on and, and then we keep sharing. Things that kill revival this year, Jezebels. It's not somebody who wears makeup. I grew up in the church. You came in with makeup on, looking flashy. That's a Jezebel. Mm. Jezebels. They love attention. They want authority and they want your ear. And he or she loves causing rifts from the inside out. And it will destroy revival. Things that kill revival this year. Judgmental Pharisees. 
They love to critique others' worship when they have no idea what they're walking through or how difficult it was for them to even get out of bed and to church this morning. They will sit on the pew looking all frumpy, looking all mad with their resting worship face on. I don't know about that. I've never seen anybody dancing like that, all jumping like that. I don't know about that. You ain't got to raise your hand. You haven't raised your pinky in five years. You don't know what I've been through to dance like I've been dancing. You don't know what hell I walk through to get up and run around this building. Whenever I do a Jericho march, you don't know the hell I had to march through this week. You ain't going to kill my revival. You may kill your revival. You're not killing my revival this year. You can sit there with your little sourpuss face all you want to. I will dance circles all around you every day. Why? Because I'm hungry. Because I'm hungry. Where are the hungry people at this year? Where are the people say, I will dance like David danced? These religious spirits, they are like idols. They are used to box in and control God's movement and blessings, all based on personal preferences and comfort. I want it my way. Tell me why. I pray over this church and over your house break every religious spirit before 24 even gets here God before the clock strikes midnight break it off of somebody right now do it Lord break every stronghold that may cause growth to cease break every stronghold that is after the unity of this house God break everything that we've built that confines you God if it's not what you want destroy it God destroy every yoke in this house God let us build systems and ministry to house your glory not my glory but your glory God we are not building to house our success. God, we are building to house your glory. God, right now, break everything that's not of you. God, before the clock clock strikes midnight, God, I'm crazy enough to believe. God, you can break a religious spirit right now. He dealt with the heart system. He dealt with the faith system. He dealt with the religious system. And now we watch he's dealing with the spiritual discipline system. Ban, help me out. A lack of spiritual discipline is an enemy of revival in 24. Get this. If all that happens is a feeling... It was not revival. It was emotions. If all that happens is a feeling, if all that happens are goosebumps, those are cool. But 
it did not transform us. But I need you. But I, I want to know that when the goosebumps are called, I want to know how to make it when the church is closed. I want to know how to pray myself through when there's nobody around me to lay hands on me. I want to know how to make it on Monday morning when I wake up and I'm in a pool of tears. I need to know how to keep my mind together on Tuesday and Wednesday. I just don't want to be touched, but I want God to mark me. I don't want to be an entertainer. I want to be a disciple, God. God, mark us this year. Ephesians 1.13 says that when you believed, you were marked. God, I pray over every man, mark them. May it be obvious that they've been in your presence. God, mark every woman in this house. God, I pray that when people are around them, they leave and they know that that is a woman of fire. I don't want people to talk about my clothes this year. I don't care if anybody notices my shoes this year. I don't want people to talk about my house. I don't want people to talk about my watch. I don't want people to talk about my car. But God, mark me so that when people leave my presence, they're only talking about you. Is anybody in the house with me? God, I don't care what they say about me, but God, when they leave my presence, I just want them to talk about you. I want to declare it over this house today. It's a year of the marking. God is about to mark some men and women of Legacy Church. Come on, put your hands together today. Come on, stand upon your feet with me.